trying to kill this food, all this food talk this morning. I feel quite hungry. Although I cannot stand Japanese. I really can't. I was just, I was just saying to, uh, to a couple of the people here that I went to, uh, to Vienna. I was in Vienna working and they opened a Japanese restaurant. And, and they, the person I was with said, oh, you have to do this. And they bring you the pot of oil. You cook it yourself. Well, get the bloody chef out. You cook it. And they go, it's a new experience, cooking for yourself at the table. I don't want an experience at the table. There was a place in London called Hot Rocks, and they brought you a big hot stone, and you cook meat. Rubbish. Rubbish. You know, that's what we employ chefs for. I don't want to do it. I do cooking at home. Ridiculous. I'm in such a good mood this morning as well. Morning, London. Here we go. On FM, Henri. See you tomorrow. No more talk of food. I don't want to talk about tempura. Because all this talk about food. Yesterday, they were talking on the food and drink programme, quite coincidentally, about food. Tom Parker Bowles was talking about And they did fish and chips. And I went upstairs, and there's a big box up there from Ollie's. And obviously not everybody was eating fish and chips yesterday, because there was a few bits of fish and chips up there that you sort of look at. And I don't know what you sort of think. Oh. Oh. And we have been known. We did have fish and chip week once, which was celebrated on LBC. And they turned up at, I think, half past five in the morning with fish and chips. But the trouble is, what they'd done, they put the fish on top of the chips to keep it warm. And all it had done is make the, make the fish soggy. And this was years ago. And, it always, and people were devouring it like they've never seen fish and chips at that time of the morning. It was delicious for that time of the morning. And it was a long time ago, but it was quite nice. Everybody, everybody prefers donut week when that arrives, because we get loads of donuts in from Duns, and people get very excited. Yesterday we had spelt. No, I didn't know what it was anyway. And we put it onto the blog, and it's amazing how many of you have heard of it. It's a, they're celebrating National Breakfast Week this week. It started yesterday, and it runs all through this week. And the reason that they're doing National Breakfast Week is because most of us don't eat breakfast. Most of you get up in the morning, you leave it till the last minute, all my friends do exactly the same. I say, so what time do you leave for work? And they go, six. I say, what, what time do you get up? And they go, about quarter two. I say, I don't know how you can do it. I just cannot do it. I watch in the morning, whenever I get home, I'll sort of get off the train, and there's still people running. You know, the train will be pulling it. It's the same time every day, this train, and still people, excuse, excuse me, running, running, and you think, well, get up earlier. It r- drives me berserk. It really Every day, without fail, you will find people running through Twickenham Station to try and get the train into London. And I think, it's the same time every morning. If you got yourself out of bed, then you could get to the station, you could sit down, get a cup of coffee, you know, buy a pasty, something like that, a little sandwich, read a paper, then the train arrives, at none of this... <sighs> and, they, and they all get... Oh, God, I must pick up the metro. So then they stopped. So all of a sudden you get this sort of domino effect of people queuing up for the metro... Madness, isn't it? Sheer madness. Anyway, trust your day uh, went well, and uh, and your weekend. Actually, I had such a good weekend this weekend. A really, really nice weekend. You know, lots to eat, food, drink, weather. So, so bit wet this morning. Bit mizzy. Bit not very nice indeed. And stories in the papers to get you going. Oh, including the one Anthony mentioned. And I was standing in the shower at the time. And I was getting angry in the shower, as you do. When he's talking about Blair, who's going to be giving his, uh, his all for this Iraq grilling. And apparently, you're going to pick up, and me as well, because I'm a taxpayer, uh, the £250,000 security bill to protect him from attack at the Iraq inquiry. Quarter of a million pounds. I can just walk in like anybody. You know, would it be cheaper to just buy him a wig? Stick a wig on, walk round the back, OK? Nobody will know it's you. That way we can save a quarter of a million. I think, actually, Cheryl Cole should be saving some money today. Um... Because in all the papers, she arrived back at Heathrow 
She's got the trout pout. She claims she's not had surgery. She's had something done. This, this is, does not look to me like her lips. It looks as though she's had collagen. She says definitely not. She's had something. She's had, it's not right, actually. It doesn't quite look right. In fact, at one point, she put her hand over her lips. And you think to yourself, ah, I wonder if you've, had, if you've had a little bit of surgery. Why is it that people don't, um, don't sort of tell you if they've had surgery? It's ridiculous, isn't it? It only goes back to the Gareth Gates syndrome. Did you sleep with Jordan? No, I didn't. Did you sleep with Jordan? No, I didn't. Did you have a fling with Jordan? No, I didn't. Eventually, yes, I did. Well, why didn't you tell us in the first place? We all knew you had. You just made yourself look silly at the same time. It's so much easier if people are honest and upfront and then come out and say, yes, I, I did do that. It's like being a kid, isn't it? Did you take that sweet? No. Did you take that sweet? I didn't. Well, who, who did? I don't know. Yes. So, so the sort of... The sort of invisible hands in here that take sweets. I don't know. Did you take it? No. Your father's coming home. Did you take that sweet? Yes. <laughs> People tell lies, don't they? They just tell lies. I don't know why. It's, it's, it's inbuilt from, from childhood. You never want to admit anything. And yet when, it, when push comes to shove at the very end, you get, well, yeah, I did, actually. I did take that sweet. I mean, I, I did something years ago, which I can't even tell you about. It was so shameful. I mean, so shameful. And years later, my boss said to me, he said, I knew it was you. He said, it couldn't be anybody else. And I said, I know. I said, but I certainly wasn't telling you. But now, you see, you're going to ask me what it is, and I can't tell you what it is, because it's so horrendous. You'll be rushing from the room or from the car with handkerchiefs clutched your mouths. <laughs> if your bra fits, incidentally, ladies, you're one of the lucky third. Years ago, I did a programme from a bra shop, and the... Uh, the advice that they were saying then is most women are wearing the wrong bra size. And the reason they know that is because if you take your bra off and you've got strap marks all over the place, it's wrong size. You need to go in and be measured properly. Because most people say, but I've always worn this size. They go, yeah, but it's not your size. And they go, but I've always worn this size. They go, it's not your size, OK? You need to go up a size, up a cup size or whatever it is. So we spent a whole programme talking about about bras and bus sizes. And now they've said that uh, less than a third of bras sold in Britain are a good fit. So they went round all, all the main places. They went to the House of Fraser. 28% measured up. La Senza, 31%. Debenhams, 35 M&S, 36 Bravissimo, 43 And John Lewis, 45%. So John Lewis, the place to buy your bra. But most people, you need to go to a proper shop a proper shop, and get somebody to measure you so you know. You know, most people say, well, I've always bought, you know, this, but they go, well, it's the wrong size. Buy the right size, because it, it can be dangerous for you. You know, you've got to wear the right bra size, you see. Some people walking down the road and you think, my God, that bra's too small for you, love. It really... Buy a proper bra. There's a picture in the paper today about uh, the sort of culture now, which is girls going out wearing very little clothing. And they've got a former Big Brother winner, who I have to be honest with you, I've never even heard of, and a friend who was a Playboy model. Well, I tell you, a Playboy must have done down, dumbed down something chronic, because looking at this picture, it's absolutely ghastly, I'm afraid. 84850, uk. We weave them all into the programme this morning. And, uh, and again, I was going to take issue, not with Tiger Woods so much, but this paying off of the girls that he slept with. Do you want to be honest with you? It's almost like a form of blackmail. It's a case of, listen, we're, we're going to give you some money, don't say anything. 
Whereas I would say, listen, who he sleeps with is entirely up to him. The only person this is between, unless he's started doing adverts, you know, proclaiming that he's this and he's that and all. I know he's done a couple of interviews where he said my family is very important to me. But frankly, you know, family and sex are two completely separate things. You know, if you're getting better sex the other side of the road, go the other side of the road. You know, as long as the wife's happy with that, that's your business. got absolutely nothing to do with anybody else. And there's the British mistress here, uh, Emma Rotherham, who, I mean, quite clearly must have known who he was, unless she's stupid, meets him in a bar, and they embark on this fling. And then, in an effort to keep quiet about it, uh, they gave her £300,000. I'd have gone, listen, darling, you want to go to, the, go to the papers? Make yourself look stupid at the same time. Nobody cares who he sleeps with. Apart from the tabloids, nobody else should care. It's got nothing to do with anybody else. I'm quite sure that there are people who, who you know, are listening to this programme now, probably with somebody else's other half. You know, and they're going, oh, my God, he's found us out. Oh, my God, he's found us out. And, uh, and you think to yourself, it's just crazy. It makes no difference. I couldn't care if he sleeps with the entire Western Hemisphere. As long as the wife's happy with it. But to have to pay them money to, sh- to shut them up every time is just ludicrous. Don't give them a penny piece. Go, listen, you want to go blabbing to the press, love, and make your 30p? Go on, go on, off you go. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hand over a penny at all. Nothing, if ever anybody sort of, sort of said, oh, I'm going to blackmail, not they would with me. I mean, frankly, you know, my life is such an open book. And uh, I'm quite excited as well. But I mean, you know, hardly worth 300,000 quid. But people do that now. It's getting a bit worrying in the church. They've all started going a bit panic-stricken. Because apparently there's new laws coming in, which means that they're going to have to hire transvestites and gays in the church. Hello, have you been to church recently? It's a veritable fairyland. I mean, you've only got to look at the vicar bedecked in gold and silver and a dress and walk. You know, why can't they just wear trousers? You know, why do you have to wear a frock? You know, I mean, you know, if you're going to read a story in the paper about a vicar, it's going to involve a choir boy. It just does every Never a choir girl. For some reason, we don't have choir girls. Yeah, I'm sure they do exist. But, uh, and they say, oh, it's going to be dreadful in the church because they're going to have to sort of now take on, because of these equality laws, more, more gays. You can't move, as I say, at the moment. Go to Vatican City. The place, as I say, it's a giant gay club. It's huge. It's absolutely enormous. And yet, nobody's bothered about it up until now. But they could be forced to hire transsexuals. Because up until now, they've been allowed to exclude transsexuals and homosexuals. It's all right for them to be a vicar, apparently, but not allowed to sort of hire them in. And now, under new laws coming out, they're going to have to hire people. I don't think it would make any difference at all if a transsexual was sort of working. Why, what difference would it make? I can't actually think of anything off the top of my head. I might actually think during the rest of the programme. I'll tell you what we were gutted about when Jean Simmons died the other day, because she was booked in to come in here to talk to me for In Conversation. Now, whether or not they gave her the list, and she went, I'm not doing Steve Allen, and that kind of sealed her fate, I've got no idea, but she was due to come in. But she was the woman who said no to Howard Hughes, and he then tried to sabotage her Hollywood career. Fascinating woman. There's a great piece on it in the Daily Mail today. I mean, she could have been, she could have been an even greater star, but she was going to come in and talk to me. Now she's not which is a shame. But we do have Debbie Reynolds booked in, uh, who I think will be coming in probably around April time. She's coming over to the country to do a series of one-woman shows. Now, I don't know how old Debbie Reynolds is, but uh, she must be late late 70s, I would think. And, of course, she was in Singing in the Rain. She was in so many Hollywood movies. And she's almost last of the big Hollywood stars. So, hopefully, she will be in. 
in Labour, in, in Labour, Shelburne's not in Labour at all, in April. What's the matter with me? I haven't even had anything to eat this morning. What's going wrong? It's all gone very funny. Quarter past five. These are the headlines. An Ethiopian Airlines plane with around 90 people on board has crashed into a Mediterranean minutes after taking off from Beirut. Crew of a BA flight are being praised for resuscitating a woman after a doctor had told them she died. And a petition demanding a lowering of the age at which women first have smear tests will be handed into Downing Street later. More details on those stories at six o'clock. Let's have a check on the state of the roads for you this morning. Get you there nice and quickly. Oh, goody, goody. It's Hugh Brew. Thank you very much, Steve. Good morning. Uh, if you... 97.3. Morning, everybody. I was talking to Simon Calder yesterday. And he said... He said you've been very brave when you've been talking about the BA crew going on strike. Because I said, you know, go on strike, political suicide. You'd have to be mad as a brush to go on strike. And I was saying, all you've got to do, if you're a BA trolley dolly or trolley dolles, is you've just got to load up your trolley, which is done for you, and you push it up and down an aisle. It's not, you know... That's right. Tea, coffee. Should I put that in the overhead locker for you? Thank you. You know, would you like a magazine? OK, like a newspaper. It's, it's a bit routine. It's a bit like being a shop assistant, except you haven't got that far to walk. You either go up the plane or... Down, you know, you never find them opening a window and walking out on the wing just to add to a bit of excitement. Uh, also locking themselves in the toilet for the duration. No, they walk up and down and... Let's you put your table in the upright position. We are, in fact, going to take off very shortly. Lovely. You know, big surprise there. Aeroplane taking off. And it's all very good and, it's, and they do it very nicely and they look very smart. But to be honest with you, you don't need a degree to actually become a trolley dolly. It's not that difficult. And yet they earn very, very good money. They earn probably far better money than somebody who actually has to work in a shop and walk a lot more and sort of put up with people. I know you get difficult passengers, but that's the same in every business. And then the other day, a lady wrote to me and said, but of course, we have to have medical training. Well, we've got people in this building who've had medical training. You know, if somebody falls ill, they can handle it until the, the ambulance gets here. Exactly the same. So what they've done now is they put out this story that uh, the crew of a BA flight are being praised for resuscitating this woman. I'm sure they've resuscitated loads of people, but they've said the doctor said she was she was dead, but we, we persevered and she came back to life again. Well, that's great. It's not going to change the cause, because most people think that trolley dollies earn a, f- a small fortune. But Simon Calder said to me, he said, you're absolutely right. He said, but every time I mention it, he said, I get hate mail from, from BA staff. I said, no, you'll get hate mail from stupid people who have nothing to do with the airline. They'll sort of say, you know, my son or daughter has, you know, worked for the airline for donkey's years, and that's, that's generally how it works. But to be honest with you, all they've got to do is get you on board. All you've got to do is have the ability to smile. It's a little bit like being in show business. The girls put on this sort of what I call beauty counter makeup, and they're taught how to tie their hair back in a chinois, and they sort of slant back, and so you haven't got to do too much there. And then all they've got to do is lean over you, you know, rubbing their bosom in your face, you know, and go, would you like a drink from the bar? And you go, would you like a cup of tea? Oh, God. Cup of tea here for this one. You know, everybody else, I said, have you got Earl Grey? Yes. But they make you wait till they push the trolley all the way down the aisle, you know, and it's, it just takes forever. And when you get the meal, you know, put your table down, I'm giving you a plastic meal, all right? But it's not complicated. All you've got to do... And all right, if the thing ditches, and they don't ditch that often, you know, by, by comparison to driving on, the tra- on, on trains or on the roads, air travel is the safest form of travel. And all you have to do, you know, if the thing crashes, they explain to you, you, know, you put your thing on here, here's your whistle, here's your torch, go down the slide, bob around in the sea until somebody comes and collects you. And that's all you've got to worry about. I've seen the film Airplane, I know what goes on. It's all there. But uh, to go on strike, madness, absolute madness. You know, a company that's not making money, and they're going, we want more money. But they haven't got any money. 
You can't take blood out of a stone. I know some people think you probably can. Stephen says, I've just looked at the coal woman in the mail, and if she hasn't had collagen, then I'm a secret lemonade drinker. Ah, whites. Remember that? I used to love that. I'm not trying to keep it up. Uh, She's had something done. It doesn't doesn't look like the same person, I'm afraid. It really doesn't look like the same person at all. She might have had something and just waiting for it to go down, but it doesn't matter. Johnny, not with the mistress, or or Tigger, says, so overworked BA cabin crew might be going on strike. I'm confused. Between doing all their vital duties that nobody else on this planet could ever carry out, what other airline crews are coming out in support? It's only a matter of time before all the waiters and waitresses and restaurants in the UK decide to go on strike in solidarity. A word to the BA crews, dinosaur. It's true, actually. You think if they actually have a point, do you think they'd say, I tell you what, let's bring all the other crews out. And they'd be going, are you mad? Are you mad? We're not as balmy as you, I'm afraid. Given the choice, people would go and fly with somebody else. You know, BA doesn't get it, and they plunge even further into debt, I'm afraid. So, uh, not a good move. I don't think they're actually going to, to do it. They'd be very silly to go on strike, and I don't think they will. 84850, Stephen LB. Oh, here it is. This is the picture. I might have to show this to Jess later. It's uh, a major new book, and it's feminism aimed to liberate women. Although, Natasha Walter says, it's spawned a promiscuous generation who believe that their bodies are their only passport to success. And they've got big brother winner, Sophie Reed. Well, I'm terribly sorry, Sophie Sweet Pea. I have no idea who you are. I just know that you're bleach blonde, you wear very little clothes, and somebody somewhere probably went four. But she's out with former Playboy model Louise Glover. Now, I'm looking at the picture of Louise, who is wearing what can only be described as, as a fishing net covering her fairly ample bosom, a skirt which doesn't suit her, very bad makeup on, badly bleached hair, and this apparently is a former Playboy model. Well, I can only assume they must be sort of picking up any ropey old thing at the moment. I mean, just, I'm going to save that picture, so when Jess comes in, I can, just in case, because somebody might sort of accuse me of sort of saying, well, you know, you're just anti because these girls are doing what they, what they have talent for doing, which is sort of just pouting into a camera, I'm afraid. You know, just because you've got a big pair of tits, I'm afraid, doesn't make you a, uh, a Playboy model. I find it very disappointing, but I'm looking at the picture. If that's Playboy model, my God, the standard's gone right down, which I don't think it did, because I saw a picture of, uh, of some Playboy models a while ago. I can't imagine why, but I did. And, um, and they all looked sort of tall, whereas this one just looked short, dumpy. Looks off she's walked off a sink estate. It's my new expression now, sink estate. I love the idea of people being on a sink estate and to get themselves... Because Cheryl Cole came from a sink estate. That's where she came from. I mean, you know, if if you check the family history, there's a lot of, let's just say, trouble, shall we, within the family. In and out, in and out. Uh, Dom and Dom is having chicken madras and naan bread. See, that's quite... See, I quite like that idea. Is chicken madras the hot one? I can't remember. Is that... Madras is hot. I can't do hot. It's a sauce, isn't it? I had one the other day. It might have been a chicken cashmere, and it came with sultanas. <laughs> oh, you don't do sultanas. Oh, right. Oh, right, not in savoury food. Oh, OK. Oh, dear. Uh, 84850, uk. Phil's at Terminal 1 in Heathrow. I will miss your show. Well, you must podcast. We encourage everybody to podcast on LBC now, because that way, when you go away... It means you don't have to sort of miss LBC or miss any of the programmes. What, what you do is you don't listen for a few weeks or a week, however long you're going away, and you just record them, and then you take them away with you, and it's like having a brand-new show every day. Or failing that, if you've got the computer, take it away with you, and you can listen on the computer. Uh, they found a traffic warden in the mirror today. Uh, this one works uh, in London. 
and what what he's doing? Oh, he's going to be he's going to look so stupid today if he turns up for work. There's going to be big trouble. He deals in drugs. He sells drugs, and they've got pictures of him handing over drugs, and uh, they're handing over money to him. And he, he can apparently get anything. I don't know where he works, but uh, they will find him. Oh, um, he could be around Dagenham Way, I think. So, if you're a traffic warden and you've sold drugs recently, they've got you. Mind you, I shouldn't imagine he's the only one. There must be loads of people out there. Uh, Steve says, I know other BA staff, and most of them have had to take a pay cut. They think the cabin crew are being selfish. See, I mean, the trouble is they do earn good money. All you've got to do is turn up and look smart. All right, so there's an inconvenience. Sometimes you have to uh, hang around because you might be on standby. But you've only got to sit there, and then it gets to midnight, and they go, that's OK, you're not on standby anymore. And then you get family discounts for flying. You can get cheap flight. You can get all sorts of things. Plus, also, you've got those little miniatures. Only on camera swigs of those. They used to nick them all the time. You could always spot anybody who worked for BA or any of the airlines, because when they offered you a drink at home, they'd open the cupboard, and there were all the miniatures, because they used to nick them off the aircraft. Then they put in a, a thing saying, no, 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 no. Not having any more of those. But there were loads of perks. Let's face it, nobody forces you. To, uh, to do that at all. Nobody forces you to work for BAs. Like, I can't understand why people complain. They go, oh, I'm, I'm not doing it if I don't get this. You think, well, go somewhere else. Go work for another airline. You won't find it's as good as you've got at the moment, but you might as well try it, mightn't you? Uh, John Stapleton Penny Smith, according to the paper today, could be axed as GMTV look... or oh, sorry, ITV look to save millions by merging GMTV's newsroom with ITN. Because at the moment... ITV's own company, Independent Television News, present a show each morning at 5.30. They then hand over to John and Penny, who do an hour of GMTV from 6am, consisting mainly of news items. But under the new chairman, they're looking to make a 20% saving. I think that would be a shame, wouldn't it? You know, otherwise you'd just have some standard person reading it from from uh, ITV. And to be honest with you, the ones that they have in the early hours are not particularly good. They're OK, but it's like tryout time. You know, you've got to have some sort of gravitas, and you don't get any better than... John Stapleton and Penny Smith. We like Penny Smith. She's great. A bit bored with Eamon Dreary, fat boy, fat Holmes, who, having had a piece of... His contract at Sky must be up. I can think of no other reason why he would do a whole piece with the Express yesterday with, for some strange reason, their, um, their royal correspondent on... Uh, he might go back to GMTV. It depends what happens at Sky. I thought, your contract's up, matey. Your contract's up. But uh, he slagged off GMTV. To be honest with you, if they're saving money, you don't want Eamon Holmes back there. I think the truth of the matter is he wants to go back there because nobody's, nobody watches him on Sky. People have Sky News on, but they don't really... He, he wants to go back to sort of to having all the pampering that he got with GMTV, with their publicity department and stuff like that, which he doesn't get at Sky. He gets a car, but he's, he's, he's quite clearly uh, put his cards on the table. He said, I'm a gun for hire. A gun for hire. That means he'll go wherever. I'm thinking contract time. Used to be a very famous radio presenter, not a million miles away from here, who every time the contract used to come up for renewal, he would then start leaking stories to the press about, well, you know, now might be the time to move on, or I might decide to do this. You know, to be honest with you, if Eamon owns his contract, is up GMTV, he'd be mad to go back. You never go back. You always, you always look forward, I would have thought. Definitely look forward. Uh, still to come, some dreadful hotel. Dreadful hotels. You'll be delighted to know that the uh, Europe's dirtiest hotel is in Blackpool. It's in Blackpool. We will name and shame on this programme this morning. They've been named in a in a, a poll 
of people. 30 million people were eligible to vote for these hotels. Five of the filthiest are in London. The one in Blackpool is called the Grosvenor. Uh, the owner, Shira Kajuria, claimed that while some reviewers had expressed real grievances, others had been malicious. He said, we took over the hotel only six months ago and we're trying to sort things out. Apparently, it's so filthy, you had to clean the window to see Blackpool Tower, which apparently you can only see when it's lit up at night. This. DVLA, are you up to date? It's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast. LBC 97.3, it's 5.30. Morning, everybody. A little bit later on, uh, John Warrington... He's cruising, so we'll, we'll find out exactly where he is a little bit later. We'll do the horse racing with Matthew Schofield. And then I had um, a letter in the other day, and I only briefly looked at it. And uh, it's a letter, and it's from... This is from Stephen, OK? I'll just tell you it's from Stephen. And he said, I, I would like your help in this matter. And he's... Good Lord. Uh, this is... Um, it's a story of... Um, of a frail 103-year-old who suffered a heart attack after a robber threw him to the ground and sat on him where he rifled his pockets, all for £12. All for £12. I mean, it's one of those terribly, terribly depressing stories. And uh, Stephen has written to me to say, you know, it's, I'm a member uh, of an allotment group. And he said, uh, anything you can do... To, you know, to find the animal who did this. I mean, who on earth would want to sit on a 103-year-old man because uh, he has an allotment, and Stephen has an allotment as well. He sent me some uh, some pictures in as well, which is very nice, so thank you very much indeed. I mean, why would anybody want to do that? He was attacked in his own home for £12. I mean, it is absolutely appalling, isn't it? Absolutely appalling. Um, Mr Heyman, who's a former office worker, managed to get to his neighbour who rang his son Bill for the emergency services. This happened on October the 27th. Uh, when Mr Heyman told him they were shut, this was when he, uh, he was, he was uh, you know, looking for windows. Somebody knocked on his door and said, your windows are open. He said, no, they're all shut. That was when they actually tried to distract him. I mean, it is absolutely uh, appalling that somebody would do this to a 103-year-old man. It featured in the Croydon Advertiser, not my favourite newspaper. But um, it's, it's appalling. Sorry? The Croydon... Is that the Croydon Guardian? Oh, right. But, um... It's uh, just absolutely appalling that anybody would do that to somebody. I don't know why they do these things. Mainly drugs or mentally ill or something like that. It's not, not nice at all, I'm afraid. So, hopefully they will catch... They do catch these people. You don't generally have to wait too long. But they, they will find him. Don't worry. There'll be something will, that will come up. Amanda says, don't make me laugh. The church inequality. Not words I would associate together, sadly. I don't know, I used to go to church an awful lot. Actually, I quite like going there, actually. But it, it, it is a lot of, you know, a lot of jewellery and jewels. And you go to Rome and, by God, the pomp and ceremony is phenomenal. 250 grand to protect Blair for a day, Steve. Is this a wind-up? Could someone give a breakdown on how the figure is arrived at? This seems to be making him far more important than he is and once again taking the Michael out of the gullible British public. Why isn't he paying out of his own pocket? I don't know. He's coining it in America, isn't he? Absolutely coining it. Weather for today? Mostly cloudy. Patchy light rain. Chance of the odd bright spell later. High today, 5 centigrade. Uh, the low overnight, minus 1. Tomorrow, dry with broken clouds and bright spells. Feeling cold. I thought it felt quite chilly this morning. A little bit chilly. I walked out. I brought my gloves. Just in case. You know, you never know. You might want to wear them later on. So tomorrow, dry with broken cloud. Wednesday, fairly cloudy. Outbreaks of rain. 
Thursday, bright, the cold winds, and Friday, dry with bright spells. So that's your forecast for the week ahead. Uh, can you remember, says Paul in Manchester, you just took me about 40 years, the chocolate umbrellas that you bought to put on Christmas trees? Yes. I can. And I'll tell you for why, because we had them in Hong Kong. So you obviously can buy them around the world. And uh, we we hung them on trees. So they actually came round with us for years and years and years. And what it was, it was just a piece of sort of triangular-shaped chocolate, round at the top, with a little thing in there and decorated with some pretty paper. And you hung it on the tree and it was a chocolate umbrella. Being six, I decided to methodically unwrap them, eat them and re-wrap them again, blaming the dog. For some reason, never got away with it. Never worked out why. On the Gareth Gates saga, he hadn't realised the paper had CCTV pictures from the hotel of him going into the room, plus Jordan's description of his bits. Okay, That was why. That's how he got caught out. Uh, As you say, does it matter who you sleep with? Remember the well-known star who married into European royalty? Turned out to be the good time had by half of Hollywood. Saw Debbie Reynolds' show last year in the States. Good value. Rip Jean, as you say. Someone who could have been bigger than she was but had principles. Good value. Actually, I'm quite looking forward to talking to Debbie Reynolds, because I think she's, she'll have a wealth of stories. I think she'll have a lot of stories. Jean, we, we definitely would have wanted to talk to. Uh, we weren't interested in dreary old Christy Bleakley, who must be revelling in this publicity. But frankly, she looks like an extra from Emmerdale, as far as I'm concerned. So here she is. And she went out for dinner with uh, Frankie, so that was nice. But they left separately. Uh, she skipped down the line to... Um, nip into a waiting car which sped off and that's it i mean isn't it ridiculous and here she is chrissy bleakley with photographers out there yeah i'm sorry are we dealing with somebody who's just a very average presenter on the television or are we dealing with a major hollywood star it's like you know pictures of victoria beckham in the papers today because they work very hard to get pictures of her in there and she's obviously decided she doesn't want to eat airline food because it's food and she doesn't eat food and so Gordon Ramsay's done her a little packed lunch in a little bag with Gordon Ramsay on it. But, of course, because it obviously weighs a tonne, she can't carry it. So the bouncer's got to carry the food. You think she's getting more, more desperate by the day, poor soul. Still in the obligatory dark glasses. And, unfortunately, Jim Shelley talks about, after the deplorable remake of Minder, you might have thought the BBC would have been more wary about commissioning a prequel to Only Fools and Horses. It was dire. I don't think we've seen anything on television that really had the word turkey written all over it. It was terrible. I mean, at one point, I'm afraid, they had Phil Daniels as Del Boy's granddad looking ridiculous, done up as an old man. It was just a... Why they do these things? Just leave it as is. In fact, actually, I I did go out and buy the box set the other day of Only Fools and Horses because I got sent it a while ago and I gave it away. And then I suddenly sat there the other night thinking, gee, I wouldn't mind watching some of these programmes again, because they were really good, and they showed one on the telly the other day. And I'd forgotten just how good they were, so I'm, I'm, I bought the box set again. Celebrity Big Brother grinds on. Unfortunately, they've started the auditions for the other Big Brother. I think they're doing in Manchester at the moment. Hopefully this will be the last one, where you see the desperately, desperately feeble people. Some people have been up for it five times. Five times. And they'll come up with anything. Somebody turned up stark naked. Somebody turned up and danced in their pants. You know, the big bosomed girls. And they asked them all sorts of questions. And if you don't answer honestly, then you're eliminated. You need to get the little eye which they stamp on the back of your hand. And that means you're a little bit nearer. A little bit nearer being on Big Brother. 
But uh, some of them, they're just desperate old slappers, aren't they? I mean, they just get there and they go, oh, yeah, because I, I wouldn't mind having sex on camera. And you think, oh, my God, it's just awful. It's horrible. Exactly. What if your mum sees these things? Uh, we will do the uh, the hotels. I did mention that the worst one is in Blackpool. It is quite ghastly. But uh, And then Jess tells me Blackpool's her favourite place. Um, I've kind of lost the... Only before 9pm. 9, 9 Anything after 9pm she doesn't she doesn't like at all. Five of them are in London. Uh, when we say hotels, they're not hotels as such. What they are is they're budget hotels. They're not aiming at the, at the top of the ladder, I'm afraid. What they're doing, they're aiming a little bit lower down the ladder for people who want to spend 25 quid a night. I think the one in Blackpool was £25 a night, 40 quid for a double, as they say. I mean, it's just, it's just a bit bizarre, isn't it? It is a bit bizarre. So we will name and shame on the programme, because I was quite intrigued by them. I mean, I shouldn't imagine any of you listening have ever stayed in them, because they're not the sort of... Pl- I mean, you might have stayed in some of the Blackpool ones, but uh, on second thoughts, maybe not. And here she is, uh, the attention-seeking Heather Mills in the paper today. You can always tell she's attention-seeking because she always walks with her spare prosthetic legs sticking out of a bag over her shoulder. As I said yesterday, whoever did your hair, love, should be shot. It's made you look just so naff and old. But there again, you are a bit naff and old, aren't you? Today's the poorest day of the year, by the way, for Brits. You know why? Millions are struggling to get by after the festive splurge. And you've got to wait until tomorrow, the most common payday. Strange, I think ours is today. Why would tomorrow be the most common payday? But there it is. Uh, there's another TV programme coming up. What a bore this one is. It's called Tower Block of Commons. What do you reckon it is? Yep, you're absolutely right. It's four MPs uh, going out there living in a tower block to see what life is like living on a sink estate. What a waste of time. And uh, they've got here Austin Mitchell, Ian Duncan Smith, Tim Loughton, and, uh, and another one. They were keen to experience the sort of poverty millions of voters are forced to live in. What a pile of old rubbish. Do you know what I'm Attention. I wonder how much they got paid for it. That's what I'd be more keen to find out. Come on. How much you get paid for it, Austin? You can tell us. You can tell us. Old Tubby uh, Katona is out again. Trying to do some exercises, trying to get her weight back down. Why bother, love? Your career's finished. Don't waste our time. We don't need to worry about it. Oh, and uh, Stacey Solomon was out taking her little boy out to the cinema the other day. I don't know what poor old Stacey's uh, doing now. I suppose she's back behind the bar, because she's had her five minutes. As she said the other week when somebody said to her, so how is fame? She said, well, obviously people are a bit fickle, because all the people I've bumped into think I was on Come Dine With Me. So that's it, you see, isn't it? Until she goes, ah... And that way, you know, people will then realise that it's it's Stacey Solomon. I don't know. Steve, BA cabin crew are under the misguided belief the airline can't run without them. They've been spoilt and pampered for years, and they don't have the support of their colleagues in other departments. Hence, thousands of us volunteering to work as crew if they do strike. I mean, it can't be that difficult. I'm so, You know, it's a lovely job. And where I live, there's loads of... Uh, we've got loads in Twickenham of BA staff and people like that. And it's, it's great. But let's not make it out to be something difficult. You know, you learn a bit of first aid, you push the trolley up and down, and then when people leave, you go, thank you, bye-bye, 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 bye-bye. You know, at the end of it, you sort of, the smile is, is permanently etched on your face. But you have to do it, and that's, and that's why. And they do it because the, the rewards are so good. Not going to do it if the rewards are rubbish. But uh, in a recession, and with a company, who are not doing great, you know... 
Don't waste your time. If you really want to get angry this morning, there's uh, I mean, should we do the... Oh, this, I must show you the, the, these pictures. This is this is this the Big Brother winner there, Jess. Oh, dear. And that's the... That's a former Playboy model, Louise Glover. I mean, She's a former one, though. Yes. Obviously, about 30 years formerly, I would imagine. Put on a lot of weight, hasn't she, really? I love girls who go out wearing what can only be described in my books as hooker outfits. You know, nobody in the real world wears this stuff. You just don't go out wearing something that looks like a bit of fishing net over your body, do you? As far as I know, you don't do that. Uh, Right, the worst hotel, the Grosvenor Hotel in Blackpool, lambasted in the survey as disgusting. Kind of sums it up. Um, It's dreadful, really, here. Left on tripadvisor.com. And uh, you've had a good look. It's, it's a typical Blackpool hotel. Of course, the old argument is, oh, we've only been here a few months. And uh, we're definitely trying to get it back up to a uh, standard again. Uh, Mr Patel, manager of the Blair Victoria and Tudor Inn Hotel in London, 9th, denied it was dirty. He said it was divided into basic rooms with a bit of wear and tear. And he said it's usually only people with a complaint that will leave a review. The other remaining hotels declined to comment. So here they are. There's one in Italy called the... Villaggio Club Porto Anuai. Why on earth anybody would actually... Yeah, very Italian, isn't it? But it is Italy. And to be honest with you, it's, uh, I, I do sort of worry a bit about Italian hotels, because I should point out to you, in case you don't know, that if you go for a three-star hotel in Italy, it's generally a one-star. A five-star would be the equivalent of a three-star or a two-star. They have different... They have, yeah, like in Greece, they have different markings, because I... For Chris and Sharon's uh, wedding present, I bought them a romantic hotel overlooking Lake Como in Italy. <coughs> they said it was blooming awful. It had a cigarette end in the toilet, you know. And this was supposed to be a four-star hotel. So be warned if you're going to Italy that their standards are somewhat... You need to go up a couple of grades to find the right grade that you want. Still to come, we name and shame the London Tawdry Ten. They're all on this dreadful list today. I think we need to treat our tourists a little bit better. News headlines, two British passengers are among the missing after an Ethiopian Airlines plane crashed into the Mediterranean Sea shortly after taking off from Beirut. British Airways cabin crew will start voting again later on whether to take strike action in their row about jobs, pay and conditions. And campaigners are taking a petition to Downing Street later to try and lower the age at which women first have smear tests. In England, routine checks for cervical cancer don't start until women reach 25. Elsewhere in the UK... It's 20. Check on the state of the roads. Wet on the farm last week, but uh, he's fully dried out now. Hugh Brew. Thank you very much, Steve. Good morning. Uh, to the underground first. Problems for the Northern Line. Some over on... Nakrari is with you at 7 o'clock this morning. Kirsty Walker will be in doing the papers. They'll be talking about extending Sarah's law to make Britain a safer place for children, uh, especially in the light of the, they reckon, 60 sexual offences against children every day. Every day now, and that's only the ones that they know about. So uh, Michelle will be talking about that. Uh, the post-Christmas results for business, the best and the worst. Uh, also, uh, should a child pick who they live with if there's a custody battle? Uh, all of that, and um, Amanda Holden will be in the studio. She's got a new series whereby she uh, she goes out. I think one of them, she's a dancer. One of them, she didn't have any trouble with that one. I think she was a dancer beforehand. So she'll be joining Nick in the studio. Uh, Britain's top league, filthiest hotels. First one is the Grosvenor Hotel in Blackpool. It does to me look... I don't know if it's actually on the seafront. I suppose it must be if you can see the the tower there. And I remember driving along the seafront at Blackpool. My 
God, it's a dump. I mean, I can't begin to tell you. If you, I mean, if you go to Blackpool, this would be a standard hotel. You know, the sort of people who would stay in this wouldn't be looking for anything. You know, this, this would be fairly upmarket for them. It's got a big sign, you know, hot and cold running water, you know, in every room, down the walls, that kind of stuff. You know, television downstairs, when you put it on at six o'clock, full English cooked breakfast. What they're, what they're catering for is the lower end of the market. So, you know, if, if, I, if I booked into the Grosvenor, and believe you me, I would never book into the Grosvenor. The only place I ever stayed at in Blackpool was a, a boutique hotel, which I think is called Number One Blackpool, and then featured on the holiday programme, and they raved over it as well. But I would never book into the Grosvenor Hotel. If I did, I would expect the sort of rooms that people complained about. It's that sort of hotel. Uh, in Italy, I wouldn't know, but some of you might know that hotel. Number three, the Park Hotel in London means nothing to me, but I suspect it's one of the budget ones around Bayswater. The Boston Court Hotel in London. The Cromwell Hotel in London at number five. Number six, the Dam Hotel in Amsterdam. Number seven, the Corbigo Hotel. In, they come up with very strange names. The Corbigo doesn't even sound like a hotel. Uh, number eight, the Earl's Court Gardens Hotel. Number nine, Blair Victoria and Tudor Inn Hotel. Uh, number ten, Minster Hotel in York, all apparently Britain's dirtiest hotels. Now, to be honest with you, the uh, the hotel trade in London, unless you're staying at a good hotel, is pretty tawdry and tacky. It is a bit naff. It is a bit naff. But then it's catering for tourists, and London is so expensive, they don't mind paying 40, 50 quid a night. They think that's quite good value, which, to be honest with you, it probably is. I stayed at a hotel once. Where was it? Down off Victoria. LBC had a Christmas party, and so we booked into this hotel in Victoria because they offered a good rate. The rate, I think, was something like £115. So I thought, save me going home after the party, I'll book into the hotel, get changed, walk up to the party, then go back afterwards. To say it was, it was naff would be an understatement. Wood chip paper, you know, walking up the stairs. I was up at the, the very top of the hotel. All it was was one of those big London townhouses, which they then, you know, converted into a hotel. It had a drinks machine in the foyer. So if you, if you put a cup... Well, cans and bottles. You could get a bottle of wine. Well, it was a sort of half-glass bottle of wine thing for £2. And it was all that that sort of stuff. It was just a bit naff, and I just felt sorry for the people who stayed there, thinking that this is this is British hospitality. It's not. But if, if you go to, I'm afraid, Blackpool, then uh, you get what... Uh, what you pay for. Stephen Harlington says, I've got a friend who's a baggage handler. He says he's not putting on a mini skirt for anybody. He's 56 and has got hairy legs. Yes, but they can wax, Steve. They can wax. You know, and also, I think secretly, if he says he's not putting on a mini skirt for anybody, he's telling fibs. Most baggage handlers cross-dress, as you know, and he'd be quite used to putting on a little PVC mini skirt and sort of walking up and down the aisle, I think. <laughs> but uh, it's not going to make any difference. If, if they go on strike... It's, it's really going to harm the airline. And people will just go and book with somebody else. And that once you've lost customers, you've got to do your devil of a job to get them back to you again, haven't you? I would think. Uh, 84850. John says, uh, poorest day of the year. You got that right. I'm a university student who's just spent £500 on a holiday for my parents' birthdays. F- where'd you go for £500 nowadays? Can you get a holiday for that? Oh, Blackpool. Blackpool's very popular. That leaves me with about £500 until March. Gosh, you see, that's the tr- you see, the trouble is, you see, university students, mainly drug smokers, mainly go out there and gamble, you know, eat a lot of kebabs, all this. I, I never believe students who actually plead poverty. They're generally, they, put it this way, most of them spend more nights in the pub than I can afford to. They're all in every night. Who's in the pub? Students. Students. 
I love them. We do like students. You couldn't have a whole conversation with one, but you know, we do like them because they're very good, especially if you're doing a, you know, a fruit machine that does, does questions. They, they like that kind of thing. Uh, will Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie split? Answer? I don't know, but there's a lot of money involved, about 250 quid. And what they've done is they've brought on the body language expert, the rather ancient Judy James, who sits there and comes up with things like, well, you can tell in her eyes that that they they moved apart because, oh, it's just rubbish, isn't it? I I do hate the the world of the expert. We've got them all over the place. And to be honest with you, anybody, we even have a presenter at LBC who's come up with the fact that he's a style expert. I mean... It's just ludicrous, I'm afraid. Style, style and fashion expert. Not, really. Who's going to be on the single, the Simon Cowell single? They're saying the following could be on there. Take that. Leona Lewis, James Morrison, Miley Cyrus, Westlife, Mika, Paolo Nutini, Rod Stewart, JLS, Alexandra Burke, James Blunt, Florence and the Machine... Michael Bublé and Susan Boyle. Well, I don't know, what are they didn't do? One line each or something on this? It'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Plus, of course, they think Mariah Carey and Cheryl Cole. That'll be Cheryl Cole with her new lips at the moment. And is Venus wearing pants when she plays tennis? And uh, it turns out that um, she's wearing what they call see-through pants. They're these flesh-covered pants now. And they call them undershorts. So in other words, it works very well. And it, it means that you can cut down, I suppose, on on the, um, I don't know what it is, the sort of thing that you have to have when you're running backwards and forwards. I try not to think about it, to be honest with you, because I've never been a big tennis fan. I think it's OK, but it's not the kind of thing I'm going to worry about too much. Uh, I love the way you've only got to get a story in the paper about somewhere there is a big cat. And there's one here... And this is in the uh, in a little village. Uh, where is it? Near Tunbridge. Is it Tunbridge, I think? I don't know. No, it can't be near Tunbridge. It doesn't say, actually. Oh, it's so Thrupp in Gloucestershire. Two giant paw prints are being hailed as proof of mystery big cats, which locals say have stalked their village for 30 years. They are, of course, all balmy in this village, I'm afraid. The three-and-a-half-inch marks were seen in snow by teaching assistant... Corin memory. She rushed out with a camera after her neighbour saw a cat the size of a Labrador run past her on a country lane. The stride was 47 inches. There were tail marks as well. The beasts had been seen 50 times, 15 times in 30 years. But apparently it's only got two legs. It's only got two paw prints. So unless this thing is sort of doing a balancing act or it's a kangaroo, I think they're all living in cloud cuckoo land. Expert Frank Tunbridge said, The prints were unlike domestic cats, but had rounder pads and sharper claws than a dog. The cats are thought to be descendants of pumas or panthers, and they've come out of the forest because they need food. It's a load of old baloney, isn't it? It's as balmy as the people who believe... Oh, mind you, I might have to work backwards on this one. It's as balmy as those people who believe in the Loch Ness Monster, because it never existed in the first place. However, now so-called scientists, always the easiest ones to fool, are saying that somewhere out there might be E.T., phone home. Apparently he could be out there and could be getting ready to visit this land. I don't know, why would they bother if they're that advanced? You wouldn't want to come down here, would you? You don't want to go backwards in time, unless they're going to have a look at us. But uh, but they don't need to, because if they're that advanced, I mean, I don't believe any of this things. I know 
that people have, have said to me before, ah, but you don't know what's out there. I said, no, I don't, and neither do you either. But I'd rather err on the side of there isn't anything, you know, as opposed to there's going to be little green men. Because if we all came from the same thing, the big explosion, and we were all bacteria, how come some turned into little green men with big ears going, nanu, nanu, and other people turned into us? It's like somebody said, if we were descended from apes, why are there still apes? Why haven't they developed into us? So, you know, you start off a chimpanzee in the, in the zoo and then you can watch it grow and, oh, look, it's a human being. And then you let it out the cage. You go, you're a human being now because we're all descended from that. And I was watching a programme the other day on the television. I found it quite interesting that we all apparently originated from a puddle in Africa. I wanted to think I came from somewhere a little bit more exotic, it has to be said. But uh, just now you were saying you didn't know what Stacey Solomon is doing now. Well, I'm following on Twitter, says Dawn. Uh, for the past week, she's been gigging in Harrogate. Chelmsford, Swansea, and last night in Birmingham. I know, that's, that's what they... I, I knew they, they were doing the tour. But uh, where she goes from that, I've got no idea. I've really got no idea. Uh, over 2,500 hits, or 2,200 of Steve Hargrave with James Corden. That's where poor old Steve Hargrave got snogged by James Corden. Very unkindly, I think. Dawn put it up on uh, YouTube. So that's 2,200 hits, poor soul. <laughs> I wouldn't mind, actually... Um, I see Sarah Harding was out on the town. I thought it was too good to be true. She hadn't been out for ages and ages, and now she's started going out again. But, uh, Sarah, very sweet to see you out, going out to clubs. But to be honest with you, you're a little bit old now to be doing things like that. You know, a little bit... It's for younger people. Younger people go out to clubs and, and bars and stuff like that. When you're your age, you just don't... Um, you, you don't. You stay in. Uh, Katie says, Travel Lodge Terminal 5, I didn't like. My bed wasn't made, the bathroom was dirty. But that's travel lodges, they, they, they have a different thing. I stayed in a travel lodge once, I loved it. I loved it, I thought it was great. I thought I could, I could live in a travel lodge. In fact, actually, I think there are some people, probably listening at the moment, who do live in a travel lodge. And Steve, how can BA retrain baggage handlers when my bag has just been returned to me on Saturday? Ah, you probably find they make better trolley dollies than baggage handlers. I was on a training course at another store. I kept... Morning, everybody. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen until 7 when Nick Ferrari comes along. Incidentally, for all those people who uh, were following Nathan's story about the poor dogs in Cyprus, on yesterday's blog, we put the link up to the uh, Cyprus paper. So if you click on that, you can read the full update. And even Noreen says, I read about it. Poor dog. Why are people so evil? I don't know. They just are. She says, I really enjoyed That Remembers Me because uh, we thought it was a good one, actually. Very good one. Repeated again at nine o'clock last night. The one coming up this week, well, I'll tell you after the news, I think, which is next. Morning, everybody. Monday morning. Traditionally the day when you go, oh, thank the Lord we've been paid, because it's you've struggled through Christmas, and now you've had all the bills coming in, and it's not very pleasant, and they're going to have more arrive, so at least we've got the money to kind of balance it off. Dawn tells me the gigs that stacy has been doing weren't for the X Factor, uh, these are her own gigs. Lord. Uh, still to come as well, uh, a man who's become obsessed... Ob- obsessed? Obsessed with... Uh, obsessed with Hoovers. Vacuum cleaners, because Hoover's a trade name. And he's, he's collected, well, quite a number of them. And he's not very old, either. You would think it because I used to have, at one time, six Hoovers, or six vacuum cleaners. I know, you see, I mean, it's, it's not that I'm messy. It's just that I kept seeing another one thinking, that's nice, let's try that one. Anyway, more of that a little bit later. Plus, how the uh, South Wales police actually finally saw sense. Details to come. Uh, coming up to nine minutes past six, well, John Warrington, last time we spoke to him, was in New York, New York, and now he's uh, cruising the high seas 
He's just got back from dinner, which means he'll be well squiffy and well the worse for wear, but he joins us now on the line. Morning, John. Good morning, Steve. How are you? I'm fa- Oh, you are the worst for wear, I can tell. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm <laughs> seriously not, but the line is quite... Remember, I am in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. It's clever, isn't it? It's very clever, and you've called ship to shore, ship to shore. It's been a bit like that. Yeah, so in other words, there is, that, that's why there's, there's a slight delay. When I go over to you... Yes, I shall say receiving over and out. <laughs> but there is a delay, and there will be a slight delay, because it's done by satellite from the ship, which goes up into the air and then down to LBC in London. And so there's bound to be a little bit of delay, as well as that, of course. <laughs> I'm eight hours behind you, but in two hours' time... I'm going to put my clock forward, because where we are, we are cruising down from, from California. I left Los Angeles yesterday, hmm. um, boarded the ship, and we've, we're cruising down this very, very thin piece of land, which is called the Bahia, California. And we've passed San Diego in the night, and now we're sort of bordering Mexico. Well, Mexico, once we get into the Mexican section, we have to put our clocks forward tonight at 2 a.m. Hmm. Is it nice? Oh, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> and I'm travelling with a friend, actually, who has never been on a cruise ship before. Wow. And cannot believe how fabulous it is. And I've been very lucky, because this time I've treated myself, um, and I've got myself a suite. Well, let me tell you that if you have a suite on a cruise ship, and there aren't that many of them, no. it opens all kinds of doors for you that I never knew existed. Canopies in the room of an evening. Little bottles of gin. They obviously knew I was coming. <laughs> I've got a wrap-around balcony. <laughs> and when you go into dinner, you, you don't have to make reservations. They've got a very unique thing. This is the Princess Cruises, by the way. Yeah. And I'm on a ship called the Sapphire, the Prin- Sapphire Princess. Now, what, is your, what, what, what does your suite you... consist of, though, John? Because when I, when I went on a cruise last time, we all booked staterooms because people think, misguidedly, that a stateroom is going to be big and impressive. Well, they're not. They're tiny. They're really quite small. So, so what have you got in your suite? Well, I've got 805 square feet. Wow. Well, that is a lot of space, That's a let lot of me space. assure you. So yes. I have got um, a balcony that is like wrapped around the whole thing. Not like... Did you have a balcony when you were on yours? Yes, I did. It was just a small one at the back. Yeah. Well, we've got a whole one. It's about, oh, 15, 16 foot long, and it wraps around to the front of the ship and to the side. Uh, I've got a living room with a bar and a television and a desk, which is massive. You could have a small party in here for 20 people. (laughs) I've got a marble lobby... Oh. I've then got an area for wardrobe, and then I have a bathroom with a tub. A, ba- a tub. Listen to me, I've gone all Californian. A bath, <laughs> a I bath. Mean. And then a shower with a massage thing, loads of products. And then a separate bedroom with another row of closets. Wow. And another desk and bedside cabinets. It's a massive, massive room. Sounds lovely. And what's your view? It well, is. Water, prob- probably. Well, water at the moment, water, water <laughs> everywhere and not a drop to drink. Or as a friend of mine once said, I've never seen so much water without a whiskey in it. <laughs> but, How yes, lovely. We've got nothing, we've no land at all. But I tell you what, I just went outside on the balcony while I was waiting for you to call. And of course, it's, ten, it's quarter past ten at night here. Mm. And the stars are amazing. Because we're in the middle of nowhere and when we look up, 
there is no light pollution at all, mm. and it is absolutely magnificent. And what are the on-board really facilities is. like? Have they got the usual things, casino, stuff like that? Seven swimming pools. Seven? Only seven. Great. Seven. And it's not a very big ship. It's not as big as the one you went on. Mm. It's only got 2,100 passengers. Right. And it's very upmarket. And I tell you what's interesting. There's a lovely mix of different people from all ages. Young, older, middle-aged, very old, dead. You know, the usual <laughs> things you get on a cruise. <laughs> there were a few people lying around, and I wasn't sure today whether they were dead or sleeping. Oh. Their mouths were open. But we did have beautiful... It's been quite interesting, this trip so far, because in New York, the temperature was only three degrees. Yeah. And then when we got to Los Angeles, they have just had that whole week of terrible rain. John, I I've mean, got to wrap you up there because I've run out of time. Oh, you've run out of time? Yeah, so should we talk tomorrow? I'm... Yes, let's talk again. Let's talk again Same tomorrow. And tomorrow. You, can, you can bring us up to date with this, because I want to know how much this thing's costing, because it sounds quite nice, but at least you've paid for it. So tomorrow we will talk to you, round about the same time tomorrow. Yes, and I'll need a rise to pay for it. Yes, yes, <laughs> in your dreams. Right, there's John Warrington, currently cruising and looking up at the stars. I'm in London, and we're talking about the stars. Dad, pass me the tissues. Ooh, those aren't just tissues. Ooh, bet you're all thrilled, aren't you, that John Warrington is on a beautiful boat by the sound of it. I didn't realise it was that big, but his cabin sounds huge. Absolutely huge, because when we went on, and when he went on with um, uh, Royal Caribbean, and to be honest with you, the only problem that I found with... I mean, the, the food you cannot fault, the service you cannot fault, the size of the cabins, well... Uh, I was all right, because I just... And even I thought it was a bit cramped. For Chris and Sharon and the kids, it was... Uh, admittedly, they aren't as big as they are now, but they were all in one cabin the same size. John sounded huge. It's a sign of, the size of flats nowadays, isn't it? And the, but the food on board is great, but they don't take on any food. You think that every time they pull in somewhere, they put food on, but they don't. The only problem with Royal Caribbean is the fact that after they've sold the cabins at the normal price, they then start punting them out cheaper. So you can end up with... Well, on our one, we had some pretty noisy chavs who sort of, you know, a little bit, you know, and there's always the ugly ones, aren't there? Unfortunately for us, they tended to be down our end of the ship, which was a shame. But there's loads of things to keep you occupied on there. But just just pick your, your cruise ship differently than... It depends if it sails out of Southampton. John sails out of California, and then he's going on to Vegas after this. Sounds quite nice, doesn't it? Uh, Johnny said, I'm not jealous, not jealous at all. Mind you, there is a big lottery coming up. There's a big... Euro millions. I don't know why I'm telling you, actually, because if I tell you, then you might all want to go for it and win the money, and I, I really want the money. It's £85 million, pounds, and I think that comes up in a few weeks' time. It's going to be a Euro million. It's not a rollover or anything like that. They're just going to go £85 million, pounds, and I'm thinking, £85 million. Cool. You could sort out all sorts of problems, couldn't you? Apart from that, you could, you could, you could buy it. No, you couldn't even buy your own cruise ship. Not for eighty-five million, I don't think they come in. They come in a bit more expensive. Well, I've never seen them in the Argos catalogue. I have. I have looked through there. Loads of Elizabeth Duke jewellery, but not a cruise ship in sight. But we'll have a chat to him tomorrow and find out what it's like. Because the, the thing that people ask about cruising is, what do you do at night time? Well, you can go dancing. They have theatres in there. Some of them have got ice shows. All sorts of things, and uh, and enjoy it. Uh, Paul says, you've just mentioned the fact we may all have come from a puddle in Africa. Look on the bright side. At least the puddle wasn't in Blackpool. That is true, actually. <laughs> By the way, he said, I'm still on the happy f- happy pills following my bad fall before Christmas when you mentioned the baggage hand with a miniskirt. I just had a fleeting glimpse in the back of my mind of the guy from EasyJet, Leo. 
Yes, we remember Leo very well from EasyJet. That was the one you think, oh, get your teeth done. He says, should I come off the pills or send it to ITV as a new programme idea? I'd, I'd, I'd stay on the pills, actually, but still send it in as a programme idea. Oh, I was going to tell you about this bloke, wasn't I, who has, um, who has an obsession. His name is uh, Jack Cop, and he's obsessed with vacuum cleaners. At the age of five, he's collected, since, since the age of five, he's got 120 of them. hundred. He's only 23 now, and he fell for them after overcoming a phobia of them as a tiny lad. I've never heard of people with a phobia of vacuum cleaners. I mean, I know enough men who have a, a phobia for cleaning, but not necessarily a phobia of vacuum cleaners. The oldest dates back to 1932. Highlights of his collection uh, are at an art gallery in his hometown of Woking in Surrey. Good Lord. 120-odd plus, it's not bad. I do feel sorry, though, for a, a, little, a little street in Cardiff in South Wales, where other residents, you know, look, see, you hear, Bach, and they were all trying to be really good, and to get the refuse lorry down the middle of the street, they needed to park up on the pavements. So the whole street parks up on the pavement, you know, half pavement, half road, so the refuse lorry can get down the middle of the street, and before they'd had a chance to put their cars back on the road again, the police came along and slapped them all with a parking ticket. Bing, 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 bing. Did the whole road. One and a half thousand pounds. And so they went, well, so we only moved them up there to get the lorry through, because you can't on some of these roads, can you? And the police went, oh, I can't believe that, boy, or can't believe it. So they cancelled them all. That was nice, wasn't it? I quite like it when you have a, a nice story, which is good. Um, another one here says, Tom, I hear Simon Cowell is going to murder an R.E.M. classic song. I shall not be buying it. I shall give the money to Haiti direct. Well, it doesn't matter. But uh, people say if, if, you, if you buy the single, you end up with a single and you've given money. So you had, it's like a free gift. I'm never too sure, actually, you know, how many people you actually can work out who are singing on these things. I suppose you recognise Susan Boyle, won't you? I did watch the America's Got Talent programme, because I went out the other day to buy a signal booster for my television, because I've always got a weak aerial. And so I bought the signal booster, it was fantastic, and I was watching the America's Got Talent programme, and uh, some of the girls singing were very, very professional. Very, very, two of them, the hairdressers, they were sisters. And they were very, very, very good. And then you look at the dreary rubbish that we've got to put up with in this country. And you start thinking, over here, people say, you know, oh, I've, I've really got a lot of talent. You go, actually, you haven't got any, you can't sing. But they had a guy on who was a human beatbox. You know, one of these, but he sang while he was doing it. I thought he was brilliant. I thought, now that's, you know, that's a sign of a misspent youth. I couldn't do it, but he was very good. Simon Cowell hated him. Everybody else liked him on the panel, except Simon Cowell, who didn't like it at all, which I thought was a, a bit of a shame. But then half as, not half as much of a shame, as for Stuart McCulloch. Stuart uh, lost a library book, so he handed his card over to pay the uh, fine, which was £20. He used his Lloyd's TSB bank card to pay the penalty at university. Unfortunately, and this does happen, they keyed in too many zeros, and they ended up charging him... £200,000 for being overdrawn. Consequently, as a result, the bank phoned him up and go, you do realise you've only got 2000 I love the idea they phone up, as opposed to sending somebody around to break your legs, but they, they said, you do realise you've only got a £2,000 overdraft facility, and you've got £200,000. And he said, well, you know, I'm terribly... Because they, they put it through. The bank allowed it to go through. Luckily, it's all been sorted out now, and the university have said, we will tighten up. Because there is the danger, isn't there? I bought this lovely old lady the other day, this, this doll, 
which is still in the box. I told you all about it yesterday, which I bought from Covent Garden. And he nearly put through £1,950. And they went, oh, I've made a mistake. I thought, there is that danger, isn't there? I mean, you, you do have to check things. I'm, I'm constantly checking things. At the moment, my latest obsession is sonic toothbrushes. And so I'm going to end up, at the end of this week, with three of the blooming things. Because I've ordered one from Amazon, because I was so desperate. But then I, I tried to get one the other day, and I've been to my chemist, Goods, and I've said, is there any chance you can get me a sonic toothbrush? And he said, yes, Sonicare. I said, yes. And so he's going to get me one, which will probably come in Wednesday. In the meantime, I went to another chemist, and I bought a battery sonic one. I don't know if you've ever used a sonic toothbrush before. They don't work like any other toothbrush, but they're terribly expensive. I don't know how you can justify a hundred... Oh, it's my tummy, I do beg your pardon. £140 for a toothbrush. It just seems... And I've got... Through, well, admittedly, they didn't all cost £140. But, uh, but the, the battery one is only £50, but they vibrate. As opposed to the... I've got an Oral-B, but to be honest with you, this knocks spots off the Oral-B. Once you've got used to this thing vibrating in your mouth, you're all right. It's getting used to sort of putting something in there. And, I should have brought it in, actually, so you could, you could hear the noise it makes. But, uh, but, but quite good. Quite good. So I'm, I'm sort of thinking, this is, the, uh, this is the way forward, sonic toothbrushes. And then I suddenly remembered, years and years ago, LBC launched the sonic toothbrush. They brought them out, and they came out with a price tag of £100, and we did it. In fact, LBC have actually been at the launch of everything. Uh, uh, we've been at the launch of Rabbit Phones. Rabbit launched their phones with me years and years ago, and they then went on to be become orange. So a lot of people had the rabbit phones, which was those little uh, symbols. You'd see a, a sign of a, a rabbit, and you could stand there and make a, a call outside. Seems very archaic now when we just spoke to John Warrington on a cruise ship. London's biggest conversation. LBC. Easier. Morning, everybody. You're listening to LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen, and it's 6.30. Thank you for telling me you can buy a double rechargeable Sonicare at Costco for £140. With the VAT, it's £166 something. Just seems a lot of money, doesn't it, for two toothbrushes? Anyway, 25 minutes to 7 is the time. And on to the racing news. Morning. Good morning. Good morning. Have a good weekend. I did. That does sound very expensive. It does, doesn't I, it? I've never quite understood the, the attraction of these electric toothbrush things. I'm, well, I'm, I don't know. I'm, we did launch on LBC when they first brought out this Sonic toothbrush, and it was £100. And I remember thinking, it's a lot of money. It was a big, bulky thing. Now they're actually quite slim. And but do they, I mean, do they make your teeth any cleaner? Well, they're, they're supposed to, because they don't, they don't revolve like an Oral-B, which revolves backwards and forwards. They, they sort of vibrate at some phenomenal speed. So the first time you use it, you put it in your mouth and you take it out again very quickly. Right. Because you're not used to that sensation. It, it, it's very strange. I can't describe but the But what about to you. just a normal toothbrush? You can get them for 7p. Seven, where do you get toothbrushes for 7p? Morrison's. For 7p? Yeah, four-pack, 28p. No. Yep. What sort of toothbrush is it? Well, it's, it's, just, it's not fancy. It's just a pla- bit of plastic with a bit of brush on the Tell end. Tell me you've not gone all cheap on us, Matthew. Well, what's wrong with that? You've not spent 7p on a toothbrush. I have. Dear me. I think we need to come round and sort your And I will out. have you know that I have never had a filling in my life. Really? Nope. No, but they're not your teeth, though, are they? <laughs> <laughs> you've borrowed them. <laughs> have you never had a filling? No, I have never, I've never had any dental problems since I was a child. Isn't it strange? I used to work with a girl years ago, and she would eat pounds of sweets every day and never had any fillings. You see, I don't eat chocolate, which could have something to do with no, that. I don't, don't drink, I don't drink fizzy drinks either. Ah, 
That's very good. You do eat ice gems. I do eat yes. ice gems, yeah. They will be the ruin of me. They will. They will be the ruin <laughs> of you. You watch. I remember they, they did a survey, changing the subject, but years and years ago, they took some Eskimos mm. and they gave them Western food, as opposed to the seal meat they were eating. Mm. Within a year, they were having fillings, their teeth weren't as good, because they were eating, they used to eat raw seal meat. Hmm. They would literally, I mean, to be honest with you, I can't really be doing with eating raw meat, but apparently it's quite good for you. And they didn't have any fillings. The moment they went on to Western food with the fizzy drinks and the sweets, fillings immediately. There you go. You've done very well to get to your stage of life and not have a filling. I know. I'm terrible. Do you go for checkups? Uh, not as often as I should. Right. God, you're, how do you know you haven't got any fillings? Oh, well, of course you know. <laughs> I mean, but, but how do you know you well, don't need any? Well, I, how do you, well, I mean, my teeth don't hurt oh, in any right. way. God, oh, you are very lucky. To reach your midlife crisis and not. Mm. Anyway, Alex. I'm a picture of health. You are, aren't you? You are. I'm very, very jealous now. Uh, Alex says, I'm getting sick and tired of all the no runners I keep picking. I know the newsroom and the sports desk look at them as saving two pounds. Yes. But I know you have to be in it to win it. <laughs> because his cheery cat was a non runner on Friday. Mm. Total loss, £5.70. Your newsroom nag, Tilt, came in. Seconds. Oh. So you lost two pounds, but you're still in profit to the tune of nine pounds and ten pence. Righty ho. So today we're off to Lingfield, the 420, with Corridor Sun. Okay, they also run at Fontwell and Wolverhampton, and there'll be an inspection at 7.30 for Newcastle. Oh. Uh, but I'm also going with Lingfield, the 345, Stolen Moments. Stolen Moments. That's almost romantic. It is, isn't it? Stolen Moments. Yes. Yeah. That's good. Well, the Mills and Boone novel. Uh, yes. Actually, there, there's a, a couple of men writing for Mills and Boone at the moment, but because men don't sell romantic novels, they've changed their name to ladies' names. <laughs> well, that's what you could just have generic names like that's Francis right. or Lindsay or something, yes. couldn't you? I don't know what, I, what I'd call myself if I was going to go for a... Best not to ask things like that, I suppose, <laughs> really, at this time of the morning. I've had Do, you feeling. mean you don't have a name for your weekend act? <laughs> Do you know, I was, I was going down the wrong road there, and I suddenly realised, <laughs> I better rein myself in. All of a sudden, you know, I could be working for the church as a cross-dressing transsexual. And, uh, I have going no out with Jordan, yeah. Going out with Jordan and things <laughs> like that. Oh, my goodness, very dreadful. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Matthew Schofield there. Not a filling. How unlike... I mean, that is so unusual. I remember going to the dentist when I was about 15, and they sort of... You're in the chair, and he's got his little probe, and he goes, cavity, occlusal, cavity, da-da-da. And you think, are you sure? Are you sure you're doing this properly? But he used to have this long... This pointy thing, which he would stick in to the... T- Jess doesn't like this at all. You see, the one thing I hate in the dentist I, uh, is all of it, actually. I don't like any of it. But I hate the injections. I hate the inj- these giant injections. Why they can't be little things? Why do they have to be about ten feet long before they push it in your... Oh, dear. I bet there's people listening who've got the dentist today. And they're going, I wish you'd not talked about the dentist. I feel quite queasy, I'm afraid, Steve. Don't talk about the dentist first thing in the morning. But some people are very good. They go in there and they don't have sensitive teeth. I've obviously got sensitive teeth. So I remember years and years ago, he obviously touched a nerve. I nearly went through the roof. You know, it's like they touch it. Go, oh, don't, don't. Even the noise of it used to make me feel ill. And you sit in the, in the waiting room and you can hear them in there going, and you think, oh, I'm that in a minute. And you try and be brave. And unfortunately, you can't, can you? So when you get up from your chair, there's a little puddle on the floor. And you, you go in there and you sort of lie back and they go, how are you? And, you? and you're trying to be really brave and you're trying to go, I'm all right, and be cheerful. Think, perhaps he won't hurt me. Perhaps I'll go in there and go, you don't need anything doing today. Or, and, and you sit in the chair and then he goes, right, well, well, we'll just, what do they call it now? We'll just sort of inject you up or something or sort of numb you up. We'll just numb you up. Oh, what do you care? Why can't you just sort of give me gas or something? Just give me anything. And they, they, so they tip you back in, in the chair, 
And the next thing, you're sort of you're staring at the ceiling thinking, this is not the best view in the world. And they've got that silly pink water, you know, which sits on the side there with a tablet in it. And then the nurse has got the thing going... <laughs> because by this time, you're producing so much saliva. I mean, you could practically open a river. And, it... <laughs> and then he sort of numbs you up, and she's still going... <laughs> and then they, then they leave you. They walk out. And you're still lying there. And then they do a little bit. He goes, I'm just going to take an X-ray. And oh, I can't bear things like that. And they get this little plate and they put it in your mouth and I have to start doing deep breathing because otherwise it's a nightmare for me. <gasps> I'm like this, honestly. If you took a film of me, you wouldn't believe it. <gasps> and he then leaves the room. So, of course, he leaves the room. I take the plate out. I'm not being left with this thing. If it's dangerous enough for me, you know, and you're not here, why should I suffer? So he comes back in again and it's put it back in your mouth and they aim this gun at the side of your mouth. I went to one once, the dentist, and it was terribly expensive. You can always tell when they're expensive, where everything looks clean and chrome and glass and this thing. And he had a machine for doing an X-ray, which almost fitted on your head and turned round so that they could get... I'm thinking, this is going to cost an arm and a leg. And it was one of those dentists where they go, well, we're not actually going to do any work until you've been to the hygienist. So you have to go to the hygienist, and that's £36 straight away. And as I say, never, I wouldn't want to be a dentist if you paid me. I really but sometimes they're worth their weight in gold. How people coped in Victorian times when people got abscesses or root canal work, they probably just ripped the tooth out. Can't think of any other way. Bang you over the head, I suppose. Anyway, if you are uh, one of those people who enjoys the lottery and you're thinking to yourself, listen, I need to buy a ticket, but where is the luckiest place to buy it? I know. I know where the luckiest place to buy a ticket is. Where do you reckon? It's within London. In the London area, you'd be thrilled. The luckiest place... To buy a ticket is Ilford. Now, of course, I know Ilford very well, because my grandmother used to live in Ilford. My Uncle Alan used to live in Ilford. It is, it's got the most jackpot winners per person. It has a top prize winner for every 6,722 households. A top prize winner. newcastle Tyne has a winner for every 6,884 players. So there's not a lot in it. If I was given the choice, Ilford buying ticket, Newcastle buying ticket, it's Ilford for me. And third is Medway Towns. The fifth time the Kent postcode with towns including Rochester and Gillingham has made the top ten. It's not bad, is it? The Ilford postcode seems to be back on with the lucky streaks as a lotto spokesman. And I think coming up on Euromillions, 85 million coming up very shortly. <laughs> Lovely. Can you imagine? I mean, you'd have to stay at work, wouldn't you, just to make sure that everybody saw the house and the car. And you'd have to throw a big party for everybody at work. And then, you'd, so then of course, you'd have all the begging letters, which I, I would still continue sending, it has to be said. I would still carry on writing to people saying, my name is Steve Allen, can you send me some money as quickly as possible, please? You know, I'd like to buy sort of Nick Ferrari, you know, something, or I'd like to buy James O'Brien some new clothes. Because at the moment he does look as though he's shopping in bins. It's, I don't know where he gets some of these outfits from, but they're most bizarre. Kirsty Walker is with Nick Ferrari after the news at 7 and following the news that Sarah's law is expected to be rolled out nationally, Nick will be asking if parents' ability to check if someone has a history of child sex offences will make Britain a safer place for children. Plus, David Kelly's post-mortem will be kept secret for 70 years. Is Lord Hutton concealing vital information or simply acting responsibly? An actress in Britain's Got Talent, Judge Amanda Holden, will join Nick in the studio to talk about her latest project. That'll all be after the news at 7 o'clock this morning. Uh, Steve, I noticed a toothbrush in Boots in Greenford, says Mick, for £249.99. It'll probably be this super-duper one. That seems an awful lot of money for a toothbrush. But then dentists will tell you, you know, if you don't sort of brush your teeth properly, and you're supposed to do it for so long, 
you know, because if, if you don't, apparently, you, you, you end up with fillings and, oh, it's just absolutely dreadful. Every day, countless tradesmen confront him. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Ten to seven is the time. Uh, Jenny says, uh, how fantastic are the hobo characters? I bought the character Rita, a beautifully dressed old lady in an armchair at a card table. Lovely. All this talk about dentistry, people are going, I should stop talking with a dentist. Cause, isn't it funny? It's that big fear. There's two things you can guarantee. One is snakes. Because I can't stand snakes. I don't, I don't care what people say. And I've got listeners who've got them as pets. And a friend of mine used to walk around with a, uh, a python around nightclubs. With it. They frighten me. I don't care what anybody says. They're about Staffordshire Bull Terriers. It's the kind of thing that you don't like. Uh, forget the teeth. It's the state of the gums that counts, says Tony. Ah, that's why you see with a sonic... It does the gums. It does the gums as well. You're quite right, actually. If you've got bad gums, then uh, then you get end up with uh, bad teeth. And Steve, have you seen the cost of the replacement heads on a Sonic? You need a new one as often as you would buy a new toothbrush, around £10. Well, actually, I bought four heads for £20, which I thought seemed quite good, actually. Seemed quite quite reasonable at the time. But, you know, we, we go through phases. We do. And, uh, and John says, I've just bought a DAB radio, hoping I'd get LBC at home in Raynham. I can barely pick it up. I'll have to continue sitting in the car listening. That's right, I don't mind where you are when you listen. Or failing that, podcast. If you podcast, it's, uh, it'll change your life. And from as little as £2 a month, it will change your world. All you have to do is go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, and, uh, and just sign up for a few months, whatever you want to do it for, and you can download everything, absolutely everything. You never need to turn on the radio and get, do you know there's nothing on the radio? Nothing on the radio at all. You turn it on and you go, oh, I don't listen to that. Oh, wait a minute, I've got podcasting. And that's the best thing. Poor old Amy Winehouse and Blake Fielder Civil, or Amy Civil, will marry again and have kids. Who said this? It's another psychic, I'm afraid. Celebrity medium. Denise Harrison. I've never even heard of her. Have you ever heard of her? No, me neither. They all come up, don't they? They're always... It's no good just being a medium. You've got to be a celebrity medium. And that way you can go, oh, well, listen, uh, Princess Diana used to consult me all the time. You go, yeah, right. You can say anything once people aren't here. But uh, she says here that um, I wanted to know whether their future was going to be positive, and it is. They're going to marry soon. It's going to be abroad. And she said they'll always be together because of the huge bond between them. They do talk rubbish, these psychics, don't they? they do, they'll say whatever you want to hear. As I say, we, we've done more programmes, I think, on um, psychics on LBC than anybody else. I think we almost pioneered it. And you could guarantee that uh, if it was an elderly person... You could do cold calling quite easily. If it was an elderly person, it would be to do with health. They're not going to be phoning up about their love life, are they? Or sort of exams or something like that. If it's a young person, it's generally worry about exams. It's generally worrying about, you know, relationship. If it's, if it's elderly, it's going to be medical. It's definitely going to be feet. Feet are very popular. And, uh, and if it's sort of a middle sort of person, you, you could probably say it's either going to be change of career, moving relationship. It's the same things all the time. And once you've picked up on one thing, once you've homed in on it, you go, hmm, feet, feet not, not too good at the moment. And, that, and if they then go no, then you say, oh, no, 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 just think about that for a moment. Let's move on. And you then, then think, right, it's not feet. <laughs> you move on. I quite like the idea, actually. Perhaps we should do it again on LBC. Oh, Brian's going to get married. Brian McFadden could tie the, uh, the knot with his pop star, Mrs. Uh, Delta Goodrun. How does he make a living now? Because he hasn't had a hit single for, for ages and ages, so perhaps he, he could. Laura says, in Sainsbury's, we can beat Matthew Schofield, two toothbrushes for 10p. See, I would worry about a toothbrush. I mean, put it away. So that's packaging, making the toothbrush, that's 5p a tooth. Well, how much does the person who make it get paid? 
I mean, that's... So, because people would argue, then, that if these toothbrushes are OK, and frankly, I mean, they must be. I mean, Matthew, Matthew Schofield hasn't got a filling at all. But how, how much are they actually making them for? And th- that, that would be the thing that would worry me. More on E.T., the Barmy's going to love this one. This, this is great, actually, because trying to contact aliens may wipe out the Earth because they could be trying to kill us. So, in other words, because we're obviously more intelligent. And that's it. I do love the story in the paper today as well. Uh, well actually, it wasn't in the paper. This was sent in to me. A very interesting year, 1981. Prince Charles got married. Liverpool were crowned soccer champions of Europe. Australia lost the ashes. And the Pope died. Interesting year, 2005. Prince Charles got married. Liverpool was crowned soccer champions of Europe. Australia lost the ashes. And the Pope died. Lesson to be learnt. Next time Charles gets married, somebody tell the Pope. Phone him. Don't let him get married. It'll be a disaster. A total disaster. Uh, Finally, looking at the uh, papers very quickly, they've got one of uh, 16-year-old Ben Kinsella's caged killers taunting his victim's family on his own Facebook page. Is it that cushy behind bars now that killers behind bars are allowed to have Facebook pages? Ben's sister, Brooke, said we're appalled. Not at all surprised. So would uh, everybody. And the mother of murdered schoolboy James Bulger called for the Devil Brothers to be named as MPs demanded to know the full details of the torture case. It is quite phenomenal that the person who appeared to be responsible for this only a short while ago was checking meat pies in a factory and then got a job and you begin to wonder... Whether or not... So here you are, you're in charge of Doncaster Council. You need a new head of children's services, so who do you appoint? A senior social worker, dedicated public servant with years of council experience, or the bloke who runs the local pie factory? No prizes for guessing who the Doncaster dunces chose. Even the man in question, Mark Hodson, admitted, I may not have had any relevant experience. Council's decision would be laughable, of course, if the consequences hadn't been so horrific. Isn't it ridiculous? I'm constantly reading stories in the papers. Every time there is another child who loses its life or who is abused or battered, social workers are behind it somewhere, and every single time they come up with the same one, which is, well, lessons have been learnt. Well, quite clearly not, I'm afraid. Quite clearly not. No lessons have been learnt whatsoever. Uh, Right, just about it for this morning. We'll be back again. We'll do it again tomorrow morning. I wish you a very, very pleasant day. Don't forget, Nick Ferrari. We're taking your calls after the news at 7 o'clock this morning. If you go to lbc.co.uk, you can learn all about podcasting and you can read the blog. And incidentally, if you want to catch up with Nathan and the Labrador story, which Nathan went out on uh, to try and rescue some dogs who had been abandoned by somebody who was coming back to the United Kingdom, that is on Sunday's blog. We've done a link straight through to the, the website there, so you can read that story for all those people who've written into us saying, whatever happened, we want to find out what happened to the animals. OK, so we'll do it again tomorrow between the hours of five and seven. Do not be late. Nick's with you after the news at seven. But here's today's business update with Matthew Schofield. Thanks, Steve. Every 16 to 24-year-old who's been unemployed for...